Our Old Testament reading is from the book of Genesis 11, 1 through 9. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do, and nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. to God. How countless are your works, O Lord! In wisdom you have made them all. Earth is full of your creatures. Rejoice in the Lord. Sapakari kamu na 
Testament reading today is from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we can hear each of us in his own language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But the mocking ones said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not, not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day, but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see dreams, and your old men shall, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word of the Lord. 
Our gospel lesson this morning comes from John chapter 14, verses 8 through 17. Will you please stand for the reading of the gospel? Church, this is the holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. John. Philip said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you for so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe the works on account of themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, for I am going to the Father. Whatever you may ask in my name, this I will do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, You will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. Jesus promises that he will send another helper or another counselor or another walk beside her, if you want to get really technical. He promises that even though he's going away, it's actually good that he's going away because he is going to send his Holy Spirit from the Father and the Son to be with his people. That's what we celebrate on Pentecost. The arrival of the Holy Spirit in such a, a palpable way, in such an audible way, That when it rushed down on all the disciples and all the believers, it actually gathered a crowd. That hundreds and thousands of people came together because this noise was happening in the middle of Jerusalem. And the Holy Spirit fell on the disciples, and they were able to speak in languages that they had never studied. And the Holy Spirit fell on those who were hearing it. Because even though some of the disciples might have been speaking in Aramaic or in Hebrew... The people were hearing it in whatever language was their natural language. So the Holy Spirit was indwelling that place and all of the people to whom God had given faith. This is the day of Pentecost. Pentecost was already a feast before this day. Before the New Testament church got started, Pentecost was already a feast. In the Old Testament, God had told the Israelites to observe certain feasts throughout the year, ways to remember his goodness to him. Mostly in the book of Leviticus, God actually details when certain feasts would happen and what they would be about. So there was Passover that takes place roughly in the springtime. And that was the remembrance of God saving his people and bringing them to new life. And so every year they would share a meal together and they would remember God rescuing them from slavery and from death. And then in Leviticus, it goes on, it says that 50 days or seven weeks in one day, 50 days after Passover, there was the Feast of the Harvest or the Feast of Weeks. And in the Feast of the Harvest, God's people would bring him their new grain, stuff from the ground, grown by God, but for the good of mankind. 
They would harvest it and they would bring it to God as a sacrifice. And then in the time of Jesus, these festivals, these remembrances started to achieve their true fulfillment. Because Jesus himself was crucified and resurrected in the days of Passover. Passover was God saving his people from slavery and death, bringing them to new life. And that's what Easter is. And then 50 days after Easter, during this same Feast of the Harvest, the new grain of Christ's church was brought in and presented to God. And that's Pentecost. At Pentecost, we see a lot of things in this story from Acts. We see God blessing his people because he loved them. We see God blessing his people so that they could then in turn go and be a blessing to others. And then at Pentecost, we get a little glimpse of what our life will be like together when Christ returns. It is a lot to pack into just one day, and it's why we make such a big deal out of it. But to really see what happened at Pentecost, we need to back up and take a little bit of a running start, and we need to go all the way back to the book of Genesis and the story of the Tower of Babel. So, at the end of Genesis chapter 1, the creation chapter, God has made the heavens and the earth, he has made the stars and the planets, he has made the sea and the land, and then he has filled them with living creatures. And then the very last final thing that he makes is man, the one creature that is his icon, the one creature that bears his image with dignity and purpose. And in the middle of this garden paradise that he had made, God set apart one family, Adam and Eve, and he gave them a role and he gave them a task. Genesis 1.28 says, and God blessed them. This is right after he created them. It says, and God blessed them. And then God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the, birds of the, and the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that lives on the earth. So in other words, Adam and Eve, we are starting this garden paradise. And the rest of creation does not yet have this glory of perfect communion with God and the orderly rule and reign of my image bearers. And so your job, he's saying, your job is to go. It's basically the key word. Your job is to go. And this is my... My fellow pastor, Dan Alger, puts it this way, and it's so memorable, it always sticks with me. Because he says that the, basically what he's saying to Adam and Eve in the middle of this garden paradise is your job is to go and make the rest of the world look like this. Fast forward eight chapters. Genesis 9, mankind has been more wicked than they ever had been previously or ever have been since. And God is so angry with the way that the world is going and all the sin and wickedness and evil that he sets apart one family, Noah and Mrs. Noah, and their three kids, and those three kids' wives. And he places them in an ark, and he was with them, and he took care of them. And then after the flood, after God brought his judgment on the earth, they come out of the ark, and God gives them a command. And that command is the same thing that he told Adam and Eve. Go. In Genesis 9, verse 1, God blessed Noah and his sons, and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. In other words, I've called you out of this ark, out of this protection that I've given you, and I've blessed you. And so now, go and make the rest of the world look like this. It's a pattern of blessing and then sending. It's always blessing and then sending. It's not like God gives us a job to do, and then after we bring in like good results and we get a positive performance review, that's when God blesses us. That's not how it works. God blesses his people first, and then as they are blessed they're sent out to be a blessing to others. But then after all this 
blessing and sending, after all this kind of equipping and commissioning, something very interesting happens. After Noah, in Genesis chapter 11, the story of the Tower of Babel. Genesis 11, the people of the earth all still spoke one language, so everyone could talk to everybody else. And it's clear that they had forgotten God's command to go and fill the earth and subdue it. Genesis 1 says, go, fill the earth and subdue it. Genesis 9, go, fill the earth and subdue it. Genesis 11, verse 4. The people get together and they say, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be dispersed across the face of the earth. So God is saying to his people, go. And the people say, we don't want to go. We want to stay here. And so God says, okay, that's great, but I'm, I'm saying go, so you're going to end up going whether you want to or not. And he comes down, and all of a sudden, nobody can understand each other. Nobody can communicate with anybody else. This tower project, this great let's make a name for ourselves and glorify ourselves project, that can't really get done because now nobody can understand each other. So I'm guessing that now you're probably all just going to go spread out and go your separate ways, right? It's almost like exactly what I told you to do. And the Tower of Babel story concludes then by saying that from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. All God had to do was make it so that people couldn't understand each other, and eventually they'd all just go off in their own way. So while the people of the Tower of Babel, while, while these people's plans were thwarted, God's plan continued. Because the God who created everything simply cannot be thrown off his game. There's no way to disrupt his plan and his mission for his creation. At the Tower of Babel, we see confusion come out of order. But then, in the time of Acts chapter 2, we see order start to come out of confusion. We see disunity turned into this beautiful and diverse unity in Christ. At the end of Luke's Gospel, Jesus had said to his followers, you need to wait here. You need to wait right here in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. Now these followers, these disciples had been following Jesus for three years. They had seen incredible signs and wonders that he had performed. They had seen him die, and then they had seen him raised to new life. And they were excited about what was next. They were excited that, is, they said, Jesus, is now the time? Is now the time when you're going to bring the kingdom of God? And Jesus said, wait. Wait here. Wait right here until you receive power from the Holy Spirit. And then 50 days later, during this celebration of, of the harvest, during this feast of new grain, it happens. I don't, I don't think it's any coincidence that Jesus in, Ma in, in Matthew chapter 9 had said that the harvest is plentiful. Harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So pray to God earnestly to send out workers into the harvest. Fifty days of waiting. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit, the promised Holy Spirit that Jesus said would come, did come. The Holy Spirit comes in this wind and fire that gathered people together. And it was exactly what Jesus said was going to happen. He said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. He said that he would send the Holy Spirit to them. And when it came, it was absolutely unmistakable. This is from Acts chapter 2, verse 6. The Holy Spirit descended on them. 
with the sound of a mighty rushing wind, and the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and perplexed, and they looked at each other, and they said, what does this mean? So what does this mean? What does this mean that these Galileans, which basically means kind of people from a podunk, backwater, no-account place, that these Galileans are now suddenly speaking in every language in the Mediterranean? What does this mean? It means order out of confusion. It means that what happened at Babel 1,500, 2,000 years before was now reversing itself. It means that instead of scattering people by dividing their languages, God was now going to scatter people by uniting them. He was going to scatter people by uniting them together in the power of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit fell on them, there were so many different languages, but they were all saying the same message. They were all saying the same thing. In the book of Revelation, John sees, John sees people at the end of time when Christ comes back. He sees people from every tribe, nation, and language all gathering together and praising God, singing the same message in different languages. And that's a foretaste of what we see here. So Pentecost is order out of confusion. Pentecost is unity out of disunity. And it was a sign during this Feast of the Harvest that God was growing his people. His covenant family, just like he grows wheat in the ground. No matter what we do, no matter what we as human beings do, we can't grow wheat. We can plant it, we can water it, but God is going to provide the growth. God promised and God delivered. Jesus had said later in John that it's actually good that he's going away. Because the disciples were saying, Jesus, how can you leave us? You were dead, and now you're not dead anymore, and, and how can you go away from us? And he said, it's actually good that I go away, because if I don't go, the Holy Spirit won't come. And if the Holy Spirit hadn't come, it's the Holy Spirit that unites us to Christ. And so every single Christian, every single Christian is filled with this same Holy Spirit, and every single Christian has what the theologians call union with Christ. It's what the Apostle Paul often talks about as being in Christ or with Christ. And so when we believe in Christ, we have the fullness of the Holy Spirit in us. It's the gift that was promised by Jesus. It's the gift that was demonstrated in a radical way at Pentecost. So in Pentecost, God blesses his people because he loves them. This is, this is our identity. This is who we are. At Pentecost, God gathers his people to himself as this harvest of new grain. So this is our ecclesiology. This is what the church is. It is a gathering. It is a harvesting for the glory of God. And at Pentecost, God blesses his people just like he did in Genesis with Noah. I'm sorry, with Adam and Eve and then Noah. He blesses his people so that they could be a blessing to others. So that they could go and continue to tell this story. So it's our identity as individuals, it's our identity as a church, and it's our mission. It's the church in the world. And so today we can add our voices to all the other churches out there who are leaning on God's truth and trusting in God's promises, and we can tell God's story confidently and humbly and prophetically and lovingly, all of those at the same time. 
this mission that God has given his people. This is the work of the church. And so part of that mission is to be ambassadors to his kingdom, to be light into a dark and broken world. And so as ambassadors, we, we can't just turn inwards and focus only on ourselves. Because we do have a story that we are to tell. We have a story that we are to bring to the world, and that story is the same one the disciples were telling in Acts chapter 2. Because that's the good news. Now, does this Pentecost narrative from Acts 2 mean that every single person who's indwelled with the Holy Spirit will have something miraculous like this happen to them? Will each and every Christian be given the power to communicate in languages they've never studied? Or will each and every Christian be given the power to understand languages that they've never studied? I don't think so. I mean, I think it'd be pretty sweet if I could. Like, if I was standing in line or waiting in a waiting room and all of a sudden I could, like, speak Spanish or Farsi, I just think that'd be awesome. But I don't think that's promised to everybody. So while each of us might not be granted this particular ability that we see at this very one specific time in Acts chapter 2, here's what I know for sure. Each and every Christian can tell this story in their own language. The Holy Spirit that fell on the believers in Acts 2 is the same Holy Spirit that fills you today. And so as those disciples were empowered and equipped and commissioned, you and me and everybody in here is empowered and equipped and commissioned. And so we can humbly but boldly bring the message of God creating for himself a harvest. We can humbly and boldly bring this message of God of bringing people out of slavery and death into his new resurrection life just like Peter did on Pentecost. And the people that day were not entirely convinced. Now, granted, there were about 5,000 new souls who were brought into the church that day, but there were people who were not entirely convinced, and they said, uh, these people who are speaking this funny talk, they must be drunk. And Peter chimes in, and he says, um, it is literally 9 in the morning. That's what the third hour means. The first hour is at 6 o'clock, so... It is nine in the morning. We are not drunk. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter goes on to preach this sermon. And the people in response to this sermon says, Brothers, what shall we do in response to this news? And Peter says to them the same thing that we get to say to the world today, which is, come on in. It's what he's saying. Come on in, repent, and be baptized. Be brought in to this harvest. Be brought in to God's covenant family. And you too, he's saying, you too, will receive the power of the Holy Spirit. You will be united to Christ. You will be a follower of the one true God who actually created everything. And we get to do that too. In whatever small ways that God has given us, in the ordinary, everyday ways, we are equipped to do this. God blesses us because he loves us. And God blesses us so that we can be equipped in our role as image bearers to be a blessing to others. We can't take that lightly or dismiss it. And the reason that I know that this is the job of ordinary, everyday people is because that's who Peter was. Peter was not a trained rabbi or spokesman or Pharisee like Paul was. Peter was a fisherman from kind of a mid-sized town in the kind of the hind end of Israel. He was just a guy. He had a wife. He had a house. But he was a follower of Jesus. And he knew the story. People who, is, who God has called to himself to be part of his family 
We are all brothers and sisters through his blood. We've been richly blessed by God. And then part of that rich blessing, part of being part of his harvest, and part of being filled with his Holy Spirit, is so that now we, in whatever small way we can do it in our, in our Monday through Saturday lives, we can all participate in that idea of go and make the rest of the world look like this. And that's Pentecost. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you that we can see in it your story of redemption, your love for us when we were not deserving of love, your love for your creation, even though it had turned to evil. We thank you that you have so richly blessed us when we didn't deserve it. We ask you to continually remind us not only of this blessing, but the reason for this blessing. It's for our good and it's for others. We thank you for your son, Jesus, Lord. We thank you that he came, that he lived, that he taught, that he healed, that he died, that he was raised, and that he ascended. And we thank you for the sending of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that it's the Holy Spirit who points us to truth, who points us to Christ, who knits us together with him, and who binds us to one another. Will you remind us of that, Lord, and will you send us out so that we can continue to tell this story to others, so that we can continue the harvest that you have commissioned us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.